1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance of the USA Wealth Group. It's time to get your finances in order. MoneyWise starts now. And good Sunday mornings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to MoneyWise. The secret to getting ahead is getting started. That was an important quotation from Mark Twain. So this morning, we're going to tell you how to get started with getting your family protected by doing a good estate planning. So welcome to attorney Tenny Lance. Good morning, Tenny. Good morning to you and everyone. And MoneyWise is brought to you every Sunday morning by USA Wealth Group. You can find us at 352 Fonts Corner Road in Dartmouth. Uh, if you go out there anytime in the last month or so, you'll see a lot of activity because they've been very busy trying to find out where the gas leaks are located on Fonts Corner Road. And just this past couple of days, they've been out digging with backhoes and so forth and uncovering gas mains to try to find out where's that funny smell coming from. So hopefully they find a solution, right? Well, I certainly hope so. It's been since November that they've been doing this, apparently. Yeah, they have assured us that there's no safety issue, so we'll have to take them at their word. But they certainly have put a lot of man hours into trying to uncover, literally, where's the problem coming from. Well, they're, they're, um, they've done a big dig, and hopefully they have fixed it. Yes. But today we're going to talk about something more mundane, but even more important. Um, if you want to protect your family, you have to do something for an estate plan. Right, Tenny? Oh, it's so important to do, and it makes people feel so much better when they get it done. Well, you have to have two things to have an estate. First of all, you have to have some kind of assets, and that might be just your house. could even be a house with a mortgage on it. But you might have other assets, bank accounts, checking accounts, investments, life insurance and annuities. People think that, well, if I have a life insurance policy, that's not part of my estate. But it is, isn't it? Well, yes. People get very confused and and sort of dismissive about what their estates are. But the estate is composed of everything that you own whether it's your house or whether it's a bank account, a life insurance policy. Now, I understand that the life insurance is not going to go to you, obviously, because it's based on your being alive. <laughs> but um, Actually, it's that based is, upon your being dead. Actually, it's based on your being dead. You're right. Um, but life insurance is part of the estate. Anything that you've put aside for retirement accounts, yep, retirement accounts all of, of that is part of your estate. A lot of people don't think that your retirement account is part of your estate because, well, when you're gone, it goes directly to a named beneficiary. But it is part of your estate for estate tax purposes. And we have a fairly low threshold in Massachusetts, don't we, for estate taxes? Yes. The Massachusetts exemption is $1 million, which these days is not hard at all for people to achieve. Uh, Many people are very surprised when they come into the office and we add up their list of things that they own, and they say, my goodness, I didn't realize I was actually worth $1.2 I thought I only had my house. You know, a lot of people don't have assets in that range. A lot of people have very little. Some people have nothing. And did you ever hear the expression, Tenny, the money is the root of all evil? Yes. Do you know where that expression actually comes from? No, but you're going to tell test. me. Yes, I'm going to tell you. It actually comes from the Bible. I can't tell you what the verse is. But we've, we've shortened it over the years because it's not 
money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money is the root of all evil, is the actual phrase from the Bible. Well, smart people who wrote that many years ago, yes. So let me tell you what Mark Twain had to say about that. He said, the lack of money is the root of all evil. That's That might make even more sense. That's absolutely true, and certainly what people fight over more than anything in the States is somebody's money. Yep. You've seen a lot of that over the years, haven't you? When somebody dies and family members disagree on uh, whether they've been treated fairly and things of that nature, I suppose. Far too much of it, yes. Mm. It's been, we could write a book, as we say. Well, I think that's a good idea. I think you should do that, actually. No. I don't but, want to recall all of those unfortunate situations. No. But um, that's why people need to do planning, isn't it? So if you have anything at all and you want to protect it, you need to do planning. You need to do specifically estate planning. And it's not just protecting it. It's directing it to the people that you want to have or the charities, maybe, that you want to have receive your estate. Um you can protect some of it if, you, if we're talking about protecting it from things like Medicaid, but making sure that uh, when you're gone, your funds, your hard-earned estate goes to who you want it to go to is the most important part of estate planning. You know, I want to mention something special that uh, you're doing, and it's strictly a, a law firm uh, program. It's called a Lunch and Learn. And if you don't have time to listen to the whole show today, but you'd like to have a little bit more in-depth information, you can visit uh, Tenny, Attorney Tenny Lance, on Tuesday or Wednesday, February 12th and February 20th, you're hosting something called a Lunch and Learn. So it's uh, an opportunity to learn how to protect your estate. It's not a very lengthy program, though, isn't it? How long does this last? No, um what we do is we provide lunch for you, so that takes up a little bit of time, but that's a fun time. Um, and then we will we will be talking for probably something like 20 minutes, but it's not a very, very lengthy time frame. So you don't need to set aside the whole day. And we actually have fun. We talk about things to make sure that you understand estate planning and, and what all of that is all about. So on February 12th, it will be from 12 to 1.30, and that includes your eating <laughs> on February 20th. It is also from 12 to 1.30, and it's at our offices in Dartmouth on Fonts Corner Road. So if you would like to attend these, what we ask is that you call us ahead of time so that we have some sense that you're, uh, of the number of people who will be there. And the phone number is 508 Zero zero. There's no cost to attend, and as I said, we're we're pretty informal and fun people. So come and join us. We'd love to see you. So speaking of fun people, um, is it possible that you might be offering a glass of wine? Not at these. No. But too bad. We have talked about doing wine and learn, well. or <laughs> wine and enjoy, or whatever we'd call them. Lunch and sip. <laughs> no. No. All right. <laughs> Well, in any event, if you want to attend uh, one of these workshops, they're not very lengthy. Lunch will be served Tuesday, February 12th, Wednesday, February 20th at 12 o'clock. You must make a reservation. I know the room only holds about 20 people. Right. And uh, do that by calling 508-998-8800. 
and you'll have some other materials that you'll pass out at that time, right? Yes. And as I said, we really enjoy doing these programs because it's fun to have um, people's eyes light up when they uh, begin to understand what estate planning is all about and thinking, oh, I really need to do that. And I never understood what a will versus a trust is. And now I do. So it's really an enjoyable event. Good. So we've talked a little bit this morning, Tenny, about what is an estate. We talked about real estate and cars and collectibles and bank accounts and investments and even life insurance and retirement accounts. Those are the clear things that people think about when you think about doing an estate. If somebody wanted to come in and talk about doing estate planning, and let's say they haven't been to one of your conferences or a lunch and learn, what do they need to do to prepare when they come in? Should they bring anything with them? Yes, what we do is we uh, send ahead of time. At, when, at the time that you make your appointment, we ask you for your address and so forth, and we send you ahead of time some uh, forms to fill out because it's important for us to know what your estate is composed of, how large it is, uh, because it makes a difference on how we might offer planning advice. And so your job in order to come in to talk with us is to simply list some information on this form that we um, will send out to you and bring that back with you so we can have an open discussion. So you would like to have people, when they come in, bring some information because it helps you evaluate, right? Yes. It's it's important to know whether your estate is uh, worth maybe 300000 and it's composed primarily of a house, or whether it's worth a million and a half and maybe it's got a lot of retirement accounts and other kinds of uh, annuities or investments that that influences how we might plan yes but even whether you have um, a a small amount of assets or a larger amount of assets you need to prepare it's a little bit like going to a doctor's office you want to bring your list of prescriptions and you want to talk about your specific history and things of that nature you need to know some background information right Yes, that's exactly right. We don't want to put people off by asking them too much uh, because they get frustrated and they may not come in at all. But we do need some basic information. We need to know who your relatives are, um, if you have children. Or what if you don't have relatives. Or if you don't, exactly. So I know that I've done financial services. What uh, we do at USA Wealth Group, obviously, is we do a lot of work in the area of retirement planning and helping people plan a retirement income strategy to make sure that their money will last as long as they do. But um, we often see people who simply don't have family members, and then maybe there's charities involved. But if they don't make provision of some kind, then you've got uh, laws of intestacy and things like that that will dictate where their assets are going to go, right? Yes, I always am interested in that word intestacy. Because I tell people it sounds like a bad disease. It's actually the state statute that says if you don't make plans for your estate, we have plans for you. We have uh, uh, an identified uh, set of family tree relationships that will dictate where your estate goes if you don't make plans yourself. Should I tell my Paul Harvey story? I think so, but I don't remember it. So. Oh, you don't remember it? Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> you know the derivation of the word intestacy and intestate? Intestator? 
Testatrix? Uh, I do not, no. no? <laughs> well, they all relate to the word testify also. Do you know the word testify, where that comes from? Uh, it's a no. test. It must be Latin. It is Latin. It comes from the Latin root, um, T-E-S-T, uh, just as the word testicles also relates to testimony. That's and where I testator. was afraid this was going. This is where this is going. So Paul Harvey on the radio one day almost had me drive off the road when I was driving listening to his mid-noon story. And he told the story about in Roman times, this is a Roman word, um, first of all, only men were allowed to testify, which is where the word testify comes from. And they didn't raise their hand and swear on the Bible to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. They literally because had to the hold... Bible didn't exist That's at right. that point. So they literally <laughs> had to hold their testicles as they testified under pains of penalties. If they didn't tell the truth, they would lose their testicles. Well, I think I will not relate that uh, particular uh, historical fact to any of my clients for fear of having them walk no. out of the room. No, but Paul Harvey told this wonderful story about how that's the derivation of the word, and and that is what leads to the word testify and testimony. And he related it to current times, which would be even applicable today, and he said, it's too bad we didn't have that rule today when all the lying witnesses get up on the witness stand, and if they had the same penalties, maybe they'd be more uh, apt to tell the truth. Oh, my, there would be a lot of men in trouble in Washington, D.C. right now. <laughs> so anyways. Um, so I, how did intestacy happen? Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> and I'm not sure I want to go there. <laughs> Except to say that all these words are related. Testify, testimony, intestacy. They all have the same Latin root. So I'll leave it to you to figure that out. Just make sure that you have something written, ladies and gentlemen, because you don't want to lose everything you've got, you know, under the rules of intestacy. Never mind. I didn't go any further. (laughs) So I think I kept it clean enough. Well, you know, one of the richest people we have in our country and in the world is Warren Buffett, and he had his origins in New Bedford. He had his business beginnings in the city of New Bedford. I don't think a lot of people know that. But he's done some interesting uh, things for estate planning that really don't apply to most people. Uh, he's a multi-multi-billionaire. I think it recently he's been like the third richest person in the world. And um, what he's done is he's decided that he doesn't want to leave his entire fortune to his family because it's too much money. So here's a quote from Warren Buffett. I want to leave my children enough that they feel they can do anything, but not so much that they do nothing. And I think that's an important lesson because sometimes when people are doing their estate plan, they don't want to spoil their family. They want to make sure that their family is going to be doing well. But the overwhelming majority of people, I suspect, want to leave as much as possible to their family, right? Yes, that's certainly true. Uh, And as you say, some people are concerned that uh, if they have a reasonable estate, they don't want to leave it all at once uh, to maybe one or two children. Um, it's certainly possible for us to prepare in the estate plan for that contingency and to be certain that uh, that the children are left their funds in a way that they're not going to waste it. Mm-hmm. So if somebody's thinking about doing a will or a trust or an estate plan, I know there's television advertisements now you can go into 
certain websites and you can do your documents online. Is that a good idea? Why should somebody go to Lance Law, for example? Well, um, I'm going to answer that in two ways. No, it's not a good idea because in order to prepare the plan properly, you need to understand and appreciate the questions that are uh, on these websites so that you answer properly so that the documents come out properly. And you don't always have information to, to make that accurate interpretation. So, no, it's not a good idea. Um, why should you come to Lance Law? Well, we think that there are several reasons why. Um, first of all, our initial consultation, which can be up to an hour, an hour and a half, maybe more, um, is, has no charge related to it. If you go forward with documents, then there is a charge for the documents, but not for the initial consultation. Um, what if somebody can't get to your office? Yep. If, if uh, we find out that people are infirmed and unable to come out of their home, we're very happy to do in-home visits. Uh, we know a lot about veterans' benefits, and so we can add that into the, the um, pile of information that, that we can advise on. Um, we also do quite a lot of real estate, so we can tell people uh, issues that might be related to passing on their house or their property to somebody else. Um, we're members of two organizations that are very well thought of high class uh, entities. One is the American Academy of Estate Planning Attorneys, probably the most prestigious estate planning group in the country, uh, and we're very proud of that. We are founding members of that, in fact. So you really have an opportunity to stay up to date with everything that has to do with law and taxes and so forth, then, don't you? Because they provide a lot of educational materials for you, too. Yes, and they uh, provide uh, templates of various documents that uh, assure us that we are uh, in compliance with the latest law. Written by experts. Now, uh, the Academy also has a network of other lawyers around the country. So why don't you explain what that means? Well, the, the benefit of that is if you did your estate plan in Massachusetts, uh, that estate plan, the uh, actual living trust and the pour over will is valid in all 50 states. However, if you move to Nevada, maybe you want to make some amendments to it. So or we Florida. Can, or or Florida. Place. That's the more common one. Uh, we can recommend you to American Academy members down there who will give you as uh, superb service as we hope we do up in Massachusetts and will be familiar with the documents so there's a limited amount of wasted time or effort. And by the way, if you want to reach Attorney Tenny Lance or Attorney Michael Coleman, who is in the same office, you can reach them at what number, Tenny? 508-998-8800. We'd love to hear from you, and uh, we'd love to have you come in for consultation. Well, what if somebody says, well, I did a will 10 years ago. I'm all set. Um, Is that sufficient? Is a will the only thing people need to take care of protecting their family? The um, answer is, again, no. <laughs> we, should, we should name this program the yes or no um, okay, process. We can do that. <laughs> but no, um, a will, particularly as it gets older, uh, may not 
represent what you really want to do with your assets after you're gone. Or you might have more assets, too. That's what I mean, yep. Um, Or you may find that um, the niece that you included in your will back in 2005 um, has really not been very nice to you lately and hasn't even kept in touch, so... Why are you leaving half your estate to that person? You know, that's interesting. Um, I've seen situations where you might have a husband or wife, and um, they don't have children, but they've got nephews and nieces, and they get together at holiday times. And then one of the adults dies. Let's say that uh, the husband dies, and so it's just the aunt who's living. And then all of a sudden, the nephews and nieces forget about them. They don't visit anymore. They don't invite them necessarily to come over. I've seen a number of cases like that happen. And then what happens is that the surviving spouse says, why do I want to continue leaving my assets to nephews and nieces who don't bother to see me anymore or care about me anymore? Yes, there may well be a charity that's more important to them at that point. Mm -hmm. But in any case, uh, a will is is an important document to have, and everyone should have one. But we believe that in addition to a what's called a pour-over will, people should have living trusts for a number of reasons. They're uh, revocable, so if you decide you don't want it later, you can, uh, you can uh, revoke it. Or make changes in it. And importantly, you can make changes to it. You can amend it. Um, you can change your beneficiaries. You can change just portions of it if you want without doing in the entire document. It's much easier to do than a codicil to a will. Um, So we believe that that wills are important, but they are certainly not the answer for most people. By the way, I want to interject for a minute and say, if you happen to have an aunt who has no children, um, continue to be nice to them or even (laughs) to your own parents. Uh, Phyllis Diller once said, always be nice to your children because they are the ones who will choose your nursing home. Yes, we have that um, slide in all of our presentations when we do our our seminars. It's Um, important to be nice in general. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the pros and cons of wills. Um, Certainly people ought to have at a minimum a will, I suspect. But a will has some disadvantages that we'll talk about in just a minute. I want to take a moment just to remind everybody listening that you are doing these uh, free lunch and learn um, events. They're going to be at uh, 352 Fonts Corner Road at the offices of Lance Law, Inc. Tuesday, February 12th, Wednesday, February 20th, and they're a week apart and they're at noontime. You're going to be serving lunch and knowledge, right? Yes, that's a good description, yeah. Okay. Um, but but fun also. Um, we try to get to know the people who are there and and. Uh, try to encourage them to get their estate planning done if they have not. So if you are serving steak tips, for example, which I don't think you do, you could call it tips and tips. That's no, really bad. That's bad. All yeah. right. Never mind. We'll go on. <laughs> anyway, what does somebody need to do if they want to go to one of these lunch and learn events, Tenny? They must make a reservation, right? We certainly ask them to make a reservation because we want to be sure that we have enough room for everybody um, and we have food for people. So please call 508-998-8800 and just tell people how many uh, are coming. If you have friends that you think would benefit from this refresher workshop, please encourage them to come along. 
And by the way, so we're talking about some commonly asked estate planning questions. We're talking about wills. Everybody should have at least a will, but there's some disadvantages of wills too, aren't there? Well, there are uh, two primary disadvantages of wills. The most important one is that the will needs to be presented to the probate court. It doesn't stand by itself. You'll see lots of TV programs where uh, the family will gather around a conference table at a law office and the lawyer will read this will and suddenly everyone leaves with um, their particular asset. That's a fiction. Yeah, absolute fiction, and people still don't understand that. I just saw a cute cartoon. It was a, a, a crusty old man sitting in a chair, obviously with money, and he's sitting talking to his lawyer, and he says, read me the part again where I disinherit everybody. It's <laughs> cute. We're going to come back in just a minute after a short break. I want to talk a little bit more about what are some of the problems with having just a will and then maybe some of the differences in using a trust instead. So stay tuned. We're going to be talking about chances of a recession and a few other things when we come back. Welcome back to MoneyWise, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back and good Sunday morning to everybody listening. You know, we're happy to be with you. We we know that a lot of people do listen to us in the morning. We get a lot of positive feedback, so that's always interesting. If you'd like to suggest any topics for us, you could do that as well. Send an email to info at usawealthgroup.com, or you could do it to ray at usawealthgroup.com. Those are email addresses. And if you have something in particular that you'd like to hear us discuss on the radio, let us know. We'd be happy to take that up as a topic and research it. Um, We do a lot of research for the shows anyway. So welcome back to Attorney Tenny Lance. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I think I've known you for a little while. Oh, going on. Since we're no, we won't mention how many years. (laughs) That would make me faint in this warm studio. But we won't mention the number of years. But since the age of what? About 15, I think? 14, 15. 14, 15, we've known each other. Holy schmoly. That's a life sentence. Walking into my Latin class. I remember it well. (laughs) And you were skinny and blonde, good looking. Still good looking. Still blonde and good looking, just not as skinny. Not as young, not as skinny. It's okay. <laughs> but still trying it's, hard. It's the old so. Beatles song, Will I Still Need You? Will I Still Feed You? When I'm 64. <laughs> you passed that. <laughs> we, we've gone past that a little bit. Well, today we're talking about some commonly asked estate planning questions. And there's so much information uh, that's available to people today. Unfortunately, there's a lot of misinformation. And I have people all the time that say, well, can't I just open this account myself or do this myself, it's really hard. We just met with somebody, uh, I just met with somebody trying to do some financial transfers um, for a brother who's in a nursing home, and he said he thought he could handle it. He went home, and then he called back in desperation, and we're meeting with him again to get it done because we do this all the time. If you need information on retirement planning, give us a call at USA Wealth Group. I'd like to pick up, though, um, where we left off about wills. Sure. Because people really are confused about wills and what they do. Wills don't function all by themselves. We call wills simply a ticket to probate court. The will must be filed with the probate court in order to have any uh, use at all. So in other words... 
the fact that you've done a will doesn't mean anything unless it's filed in probate court. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, it doesn't distribute your goods, your assets at all, unless it's filed with the probate court. And that means the cost of filing, petitions, time, attorneys, all those sorts of things. And the second thing I wanted to mention about wills, they are public documents. Once they get filed with the probate court, they go into the public record. And if you want to know what your neighbor did with her assets, you can go right up to probate court in Taunton and look up her uh, information, and you can find out where she left everything. Probably get a copy, too. Yep. Um, How long does it take to go through probate? Well, that's a good question. It takes several months ordinarily to get what's called a personal representative to be appointed. The personal representative used to be called an executor or an executrice, but those words don't exist in mass anymore. So if you've got a really old will, uh, you probably have somebody named as your executor, but the word now is personal representative. Once you get that naming from the probate court, that person has the ability to access your assets, but not before. So it could be months before anybody can get access to your bank account to pay outstanding bills to make sure the the tax bill is paid and the insurance and all of that. So there's a lot of uh, negative features about having just a will for planning. Um, we, we have a situation now where there's a, a poor old gentleman who had no family, really, um, and named us as the personal representative and the successor trustee. However, he never got anything into his trust. He didn't actually go to the bank to get the account into the trust. And you give written instructions on how to do that, too, don't you? Yes, absolutely. So so now the poor fellow is deceased, and there is money in the bank accounts, but nobody can access them. Nobody will be able to pay his bills until we can go through that lengthy probate process. And then creditors can file claims against the estate too? Well, and that's the other part of why a probate takes so long, because creditors have up to a year to file their claim against your estate with the probate court. And so you can't give out all of the assets before that time frame in case a creditor comes along in month 11 and says, wait a minute, you owe me $1,500 or whatever. So I have a list of about 25 questions I want to ask you. Let's let's talk quickly about another option, which is the trust. What are, what are some of the features and reasons for doing a trust as opposed to just doing a will? A trust is a private document, and it can be administered privately without any court action whatsoever. So if somebody has a trust and has their assets in a trust, that trust names a successor trustee, and that trustee can come in and see us. We can give them a one-page form to sign that says, I accept as the successor trustee, and lo and behold, that person can go out and access every asset that's in that trust. So they're now in charge? They are in charge. They have the authority to... Uh, take the money, pay the bills, do what the trust calls for. So in other words, with a trust, you can do things much more quickly then, can't you? Much more quickly, efficiently, less costly. 
it is um, it's a remarkable vehicle, and I honestly don't know why more people don't get it in place. Because if you're thinking of costs, the cost of doing a probate is virtually the same as doing a trust, and you don't have to go through all of that mishmash. But it could also be a lot more, couldn't it, to go, to go through probate? Oh, if it, the cost. it's an extensive contested one. Oh, yes. So I'm going to rapid fire a few questions for you. What if you have a child that has special needs? Is it easier or better to protect them in a trust than in a will? It's easier by far in a trust because of all of our trusts have the provision that if a uh, beneficiary is a special needs recipient, that there uh, are ways of making sure that that person gets the inheritance without uh, interfering with their public benefits. Mm. Well, I wonder why people typically don't do estate planning and put it off. Is it mostly procrastination, do you think? I think it's two things, procrastination and um, this odd fear that people have that if they make an estate plan, they're going to die. That's what your mother always felt, that if she did any planning whatsoever, she was immediately going to die. Hmm. <laughs> well, you remember in, in the Bible story, and this is not a Bible course, obviously, but uh, the, in Genesis it talks about how you know God made the world and then he made all the things in it, and then uh, on the seventh day he rested, right? What was the last thing he did before he rested? Do you remember? No. No. Well, he made man. So Mark Twain once said, man was made at the end of the week's work when God was tired. (laughs) Of course, the extension of that is then women was made right afterwards, right? He must have been really tired by then. Uh, He was rejuvenated, I'm sure. I love Mark Twain. He had some great... (laughs) things to say. He was sort of a sarcastic person, but absolutely uh, one of my favorites. So come back to uh, wills and trusts and so forth. So trusts are important. Wills are important. What are some of the other key documents that you need to have if you're doing estate planning? It's not just a will and a trust. No, absolutely. Since wills and trusts take care of your estate after you're gone, um, the important thing to remember is that you need other documents. You need a durable power of attorney for property, and that document names somebody else to act on your behalf if you can't or you don't want to. Maybe you've gotten to be 93 years old and you really don't want to go out to the bank all the time. You can name somebody you trust to do your banking for you, to do your other kinds of uh, assets. Now, I understand there are two different main types of powers of attorney. One is a present power of attorney, one is a springing power of attorney. Can you explain the differences between that? Sure. Um, Back maybe a couple of decades ago, it was very popular to do springing powers of attorney. So we see a lot of those when people come in to review old documents. The springing power of attorney says that the agent shall have the power to act on behalf of somebody, but only if that uh, principal has been found to be incompetent, often... Or disabled. Or disabled, often with the uh, statements in writing of two physicians. Well, it's hard enough to get even one doctor to say you're disabled in writing and say nothing of two. So this document is essentially worthless unless you have cooperative doctors. So it's called a springing power of attorney because it springs to life, but only when you're disabled and incompetent. But... The 
problem with that, I guess, is that you have to prove that somebody is incompetent now. And I would imagine that doctors sometimes are not willing to put down in writing that somebody is incompetent, not able to take care of their affairs. They might be called in as a witness, for example, in a case challenging that. So as opposed to a springing power of attorney, which you have to prove that somebody is disabled with medical testimony of some kind, what's the other kind of power of attorney that you do? What we do is called a durable power of attorney or a current, um, a constant power of attorney. Um, That means that when you name the agent, the agent is immediately empowered, if needed, to work on your behalf. It's it's usually somebody you trust, obviously. Oh, absolutely. Often a wife or a husband. Um, So a power of attorney is important. What about health care documents? What kind of health care documents do you do and why are they important? We do three, and uh, the healthcare power of attorney, sometimes known as a healthcare proxy, names somebody else to be your agent with regard to your body. And so, if you're not able to make decisions for your body yourself, maybe you've undergone anesthesia and they find something on the operating table that they need to fix, how can you authorize them to do that if you're not alert? So the healthcare power of attorney names somebody who can make body or healthcare decisions for you. And by the way, that doesn't mean that they can go in and simply say, "I'd like to have this person's arm cut off today," and I'm, I have their healthcare proxy, so I'm going to give that authority. Right? They have to follow instructions or recommendations from a doctor. Right. Absolutely. The other uh, two documents that we do are the HIPAA form. And HIPAA is a federal law, the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. What a long name. Um, And that simply says in part that nobody else can look at your medical records other than you, not even husbands and wives. So if you're making a health care decision for somebody, wouldn't it be a good idea if you could look at their medical records to see if they're allergic to something or have some objection to something? So it's kind of important because essentially if you're in the hospital and you're unconscious and you haven't signed a HIPAA form authorizing somebody to look at your medical records, um, legally the hospital is not supposed to show the medical records to your next of kin. Right. So a HIPAA form is very important. What's the last one that you do? We do one other document which some people are comfortable with and some people aren't and they certainly don't have to sign it if they're not. But it's it's known as a living will and I think that's a poor term for it. Um, What it says is that uh, if a doctor says that I don't any longer have any hope of a uh, of recovery of any kind of a valid life I don't want to be hitched up to machines just to keep me alive. In other words please don't keep me alive artificially if there's no expectation of my recovery. Yep and that's different from a DNR which is do not resuscitate uh, that brings you back once you've died. This is a prior directive that puts peace of mind in your family and in your doctor that you've thought about this and you don't want to be hitched to machines. Is that a legal document? No, it is not because Massachusetts does not recognize assisted suicide, and that's what uh, this is considered to be. But uh, it does, as I said, give people some relief. Your your mom signed one of these and you knew what her wishes were and when it came time to deciding whether to, or not to insert a feeding tube, you knew what you wanted. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. I, at the at the very end of my mom's life, uh, she had signed those types of documents. She did not want to be kept alive artificially. Um, she was in a nursing home. She had a mild stroke. She was unconscious. And basically they said they could keep her going indefinitely, but they would have to intubate her. And I was put a feeding tube down her throat. And they said the other alternative is don't do that, but just give her morphine for pain. There was a whole committee of people that I met with, the nurses and doctors. And I called my brother and my sister and told them that I was uh, prepared not to have her intubated. And they agreed with me, and I had the authority. And that's what we did. And then she, fortunately, she passed away about 18 hours later. Very important documents to let your family know what your wishes are. You know, most people want to leave as much as they can to their children, don't they, Jenny? Usually, yes. Most common wish, unless you have really nasty children, then you do have the right to disinherit them. And by the way, I guess if you don't disinherit children specifically, what happens? They have a right. They have a right to to sue in probate court and take a share. Yes. Okay. So So, uh, Phyllis Diller once said, "I want my children to have all the things I couldn't afford. Then I want to move in with them." Oh, my, I don't want to move in with my children. No, I don't think I ever want to move in with my children. <laughs> nope, not me. No matter how much they had. Nope. I love them dearly, but I don't want to live with them. Nope, <laughs> never, never. I think most people would feel the same <laughs> same way. Um, I also like uh, Yogi Berra who once said, always go to other people's funerals, otherwise they won't come to yours. <laughs> he was a funny man. <laughs> yeah, he was. I think he was probably smarter than what he seemed to be, but he had a lot of interesting phraseology, didn't he? Right. <laughs> All right, so we talked about wills. We talked about trust. We talked about powers of attorney and health care documents. And I guess one other benefit, if you have a power of attorney, it might mean that if you become disabled, nobody has to go into court necessarily to be named your guardian or conservator. Well, that's the important part about these documents that I talk about. In addition to making it easier for you, This avoids guardianship and conservatorship in the probate court, and nobody wants to go through that process. Um, Somebody came in the other day and said, can you do a guardianship for my aunt because she really needs it. I need to take care of her, but I don't have any authority. And she's beyond the point when she can give that authority. If you're mentally incapable, then you can't authorize somebody to be your durable power of attorney or health care proxy. So people have to go to court, and in order to do that, they need a doctor's statement. And the statement is something doctors hate doing. It's a very lengthy form. It's a prescribed form. It asks what's the, uh, what's the diagnosis, what's the prognosis, how long will this person be incapacitated, is there a plan if they become capacity-related uh, again, it's, it's terrible, and that form has to be presented in the probate court at the time that the petition is. So it's very tricky timing, and it's just a pain in the neck. Tenny, I would like to mention, uh, and again, we're talking with attorney Tenny Lance, that you're going to be doing these lunch and learns. The topic is protect your estate, refresh your workshop. It's not going to be as long as some of your other seminars that you do, um, and you're going to be serving lunch. Right. And tell us about when those events are taking place. Well, we have two of them in February. We plan on doing um, these throughout the year, but the ones that are actually on the calendar now 
are February 12th, that's a Tuesday, at noontime from noon to 1.30. And then the following week on February 20th, a Wednesday, then it's 12 to 1.30 also. Uh, and we ask if you would please call us if you plan to come to these events so we'll know how many people are coming and make sure we can provide for you, have enough room and have some food. Did you give the number? I don't remember. Telephone uh, number? 508 998 It's not really just that you would appreciate people calling. It's essential that they call. It is important, yes. I'm going to depart briefly from our agenda as we're running near the end of the show and talk just a little bit about tax tips. Um, it's just been announced that the uh, filing deadlines for filing your income tax is normally April 15th. But if you live in Maine or Massachusetts, we have until April 17th to file your IRS return. That's because of uh, Patriot's Day. Maybe that's why they Patriot's Day into effect. Give us a longer time to file your tax return. (laughs) Now, what happens if you want to file your tax return electronically but you don't want to have to pay for it? Well, the IRS actually has two options. And if you don't remember this stuff, you can call my office and we'd be happy to give it to you. If your adjusted gross income is $66,000 or less, you can prepare your e-file tax return online at no charge, and you go into www.irs.gov slash free file, and then you can select a free tax software vendor, and it'll be done free. Um, That's an option for people who like to file electronically. If you have a higher adjusted gross income, larger than $66,000 a year, uh, there's another way you can do free file. Again, go into irs.gov slash free file, and they have free file fillable forms that you can download. Um, The IRS also maintains a list of approved tax preparers who are on the IRS list of approved professionals, and maybe you want to make sure that the people you're working with are in that category. The last tax tip I want to tell you very quickly is that if you can do so, file early, because if you file early, you have less likelihood that somebody's going to try to steal your identity and file a tax refund in your name. So a couple of tips. If you want more information on that, I'll be happy to provide it. Just call us at the uh, USA Wealth Group, 508-998-8858. You know, uh, Tenny, Susie Orman once wrote, uh, estate planning is an important and everlasting gift that you can give to your family, and setting up a smooth inheritance isn't as hard as you might think. Well, that's an important factor to keep in mind that although people hate to do these things in the sense that, oh, my, I don't want to deal with my death um, or what might happen, you're giving a gift to your family when you do this. You're making it easier. So many people come into our office and they say, oh, gosh, I really want to do a trust because I don't want my family to go through what I had to do when my mom died and I was in probate court for years trying to settle her estate. So it is a gift. Well, there's a lot of other things we haven't had time to talk about today, and some of these will be topics covered at the free lunch and learns that you're going to be doing. Um, How do you choose your personal representative? How long does it take to complete your estate planning if you do a trust or a will, um, should you add your child on to your bank account as an owner? And if that's all you've done, is that enough? 
Who's going to take care of your pets? You can provide for that in your documents, right? Oh, yes. And we have this very interesting situation. The same poor man who who never um, completed his trust. He has two cats, and fortunately, a caregiver is continuing to take care of the cats. I don't know what will happen to them ultimately, but um, he provided for them in his trust. He provided money uh, for their their care, for their feeding, for vets and so forth. So we can do pet trusts. Well, there's a lot of other topics and things that can be covered at uh, more detailed conferences or in-person discussions. When should you do your estate? Is an estate plan just for older people? The answer is no. Um, I know, and I'm sure you know as well, a number of young people who have died, and they just never thought about doing it because they thought it was for older people only. It's not. It's absolutely not. What happens if your spouse doesn't like to talk about finances or estate planning, what you should do? I know you generally encourage both spouses to come in, right? We do because um, their estate is jointly owned in general. The house is jointly owned, the bank accounts and so forth. So uh, it's it's something that we have to get around eventually. Um, one person can do all the, the initial planning and um, set up all the, the uh, p- parameters, but ultimately the spouse is, is necessary to sign the documents. But I would suggest that if you are in that kind of a situation, then the one spouse who is looking for information probably ought to come in anyway, and at least they'll now have something to talk about. Absolutely. Um, My last quotation is, marriage is a relationship in which one person is always right and the other is the husband. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Put that on the wall for you. What a great way to end the show. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) take some action and keep on listening.